When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Episode 147 of Blue Jays Nation Radio, Uremchuk and Coomzy and Coomzy. It feels like we've been sitting through 147 straight losses already this season. Dark, dark times. Um, did not have... Did not have it in me yesterday to talk about this baseball team immediately following that loss. I was miserable. Yeah, we had made plans. We we spoke after the last one on the weekend and we said, hey, look, the series finale of the upcoming Tampa Bay series is going to be um, an early game on a Thursday. So that means we can meet up at the office. We can go downstairs to the restaurant, have ourselves a casual beverage, enjoy ourselves. But then the Blue Jays went and lost. We lost three of the four games in the series and... Unfortunately, we're continuing, continuing, continuing along on the bad vibes only train. Yeah. And honestly, losing three out of four to the Rays, far from ideal. The Jays now dangerously close to falling to an even 500 on the year. That's not good. They're now 10 and a half games back of the Rays. That's not good. But I would argue what we saw maybe off the field was even more alarming, Coombsy. A players-only meeting. John Schneider came out and said, you know, players-only meeting. And then Matt Chapman kind of had something to say about that. His comment of, I'm not sure how you guys, you guys being the media, found out about that. I think it shows that this is maybe taking its toll on a handful of people in there. Like, this isn't a team that's just rolling over and being like, ah, tough break. Like, we'll keep going. I think there's... There might be something happening here behind the scenes that's not great. No, definitely not. The uh, the players and the, everybody on the bench, you can tell everyone's really feeling this stretch. You could tell the vibes kind of got bad against New York. There was, you know, all the drama with Aaron Judge and Domingo German was, you know, using the sticky stuff. And the Jays got pumped in that series right after doing really well against Atlanta. And then it continued into Baltimore, continued into Tampa, save for that one huge win. But then even with the huge win where they tee off and score 10 runs in the final two innings off of position players, and it looks like things are going to turn around, it looks like the vibes are better immediately the next day they weren't and you know holding a players only meeting it seems like an annual thing for the jays you know going all the way back to like 2015 when they had that team nap in washington when the team was really struggling in between those double header games and turned things around but i mean 
I don't know. The, the, the weird thing about this one is that that remark from Chapman kind of makes it seem like the team and the manager and maybe the coaching staff aren't all on the same page. And then, you know, you take that back to a few games ago when Alec Manoa was pitching really well and John Schneider makes the mistake and he has to come out of the game. You have to wonder if things look even worse inside than what we can see from our TV screens. And I mean, what we can see from our TV screens is everyone looks completely dejected whenever they flash into the bench. Players just look down. They look like they're having a really bad time. And it's only, you know, late May. This is usually dog days of summer stuff. But the Jays have found themselves in a really, really difficult funk. And they absolutely have to break out of it soon because there's no room for error in the American League. There's too many good teams. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, let's dig into this one here with the three up, three downs. Starting with the three downs, um, game one. I mean, we're gonna have more than three downs. It was that <laughs> that goes without saying. Um, but game one, I mean, there was a point in the ninth inning the Jays had brought the winning run to the dish. I mean, or the go ahead run, I should say. Varsho hits the bomb. The tying runs at second base. Bobuchet comes up and really in a way, a microcosm of this streak. Bo Bichette up at the dish. The guy who's leading the American League in batting average, tying run at second, and he hits a dribbler back to the plate or back to the mound. Like, of course that happens. But the big issue here was the defense. You even go back to that first inning when they started to, in air quotes, get to Bassett. That was all a result of Vladdy not digging a ball out of the dirt that I think every major league first baseman should dig out of the dirt. It was not an overly difficult play by any stretch of the imagination. The defense made Chris Bassett's night look way worse than it was. Well, that's pretty much what this series was, is they were just basically finding different ways to lose um, in different aspects of the game. You know, in some games, it's poor pitching. Some games, it's poor defense. Some games, it's the bats just completely don't show up until the eighth or ninth inning when whatever, you know, Tampa's seventh reliever on their depth chart comes in. Because this is something I'm going to bring up later uh, in the show, but you go through all the injuries that Tampa Bay has and you know, this this looks like on paper a prime chance for the Jays to do pretty well in a series against them. But look at Chris Bassett's line. He winds up going six in the third, allows seven hits, one walk, four strikeouts, six runs. But only two of those are earned because the defense behind him was so bad. And it's a frustrating way to have that shutout streak, the scoreless inning streak that dated all the way back to when he had that terrible first inning against Seattle, which was also a cause of partially because of the umpiring, the balls and strikes, partially because of defense. I mean, it's frustrating because, you know, this was such a big thing in the offseason. The Jays uprooted and changed their roster. They sacrificed offense to get better at defense. And we have seen it. You know, they the the, the metrics are saying they have uh, good defensive run saves in the outfield. We all see it. We know here, Meyer Varsho, they're, they're getting the job done defensively. But still, the infield defense leaves a lot to be desired. And you have a handful of pitchers on this roster who pitch to contact. And this is supposed to be a strength of the team. We're just not there yet. I mean, it was such a big thing in spring training, you know, zero in on these little mistakes. But the reality is it's a 162 game marathon grind and nobody can be perfect for that entire stretch. So that's where we're at. And it's frustrating to watch because it seems like every series, every game, they go up against a good team and they just find ways to lose the other team somehow just isn't making these same mistakes. And it's 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 weird because it's coming in this instance from a sure-handed defender. Vladdy at first base has been, yeah. you know, he won the gold glove last year and that was deserved. It wasn't, you know, just some bullshit. He's given the award because he's a big name. No, he's a fantastic defensive first baseman. So it's 
it's just stunning to see. And it kind of circles all the way back to how bad the vibes and how bad the energy is around the team that it seems like it really is just seeping its way onto the field and it's affecting them so much. And it's such a difficult hole to pull yourself out of. Yeah. And it's one of those things to the old grip in the bat too tight, grip in the ball too tight, right? Like it, it, we talked about this on the last episode, Buck, I heard him talk about it a bit on the broadcast. Uh, baseball is not a sport where you can just try harder and do better. It's not like it isn't, it isn't, but it's not like a pure effort based kind of sport where it's like, Oh, if you just grind it out and, you know, play a little more physically like an hockey, like, Oh, yeah. they'll come, you make your own breaks. Like in baseball, it's just not that way. And it feels like this is a team of guys right now who are just sitting there and all trying so damn hard to hit the five run home run all trying to make sure their defensive play stands out and sparks the team. And it's like, as soon as you start playing and thinking like that, I mean, it, the snowball is already rolling down the hill and that's not going to do a whole heck of a lot to turn it around. Uh, the first game, horrendous defense. We'll save the second game because that'll go in the other column of three. <laughs> um, if there, The third game, if there was a game they were going to lose, it was going to be the McClanahan start. That guy's just absolutely disgusting. He's a very good pitcher. He will likely be in the running for an AL Cy Young. Um, he was dominant. I guess the down here is that you say Kikuchi kind of struggled, and that's a little bit concerning. Uh, his ERA over four and a half now on the year. Um, he only walked two. I always like seeing what, that his control is dialed in. Um, but five earned over five innings is uh, just not good enough from you, say Kikuchi. Yeah, no, it's uh, we're seeing a different version of Kikuchi now than the one we saw in April when things were looking good in May. His starts against Boston, it was four and one thirds. The Pirates' start in Pittsburgh was good, six and one thirds, no earned runs. That's the only quality start of the month thus far against Atlanta. It was four innings against Baltimore. It was four and two thirds. Then, of course, against Tampa, it's five innings allows five earned runs. So, yeah, it's worrying. It's unfortunate because there was a lot of excitement and a lot of, I think, a lot of valid reason to think that uh, Yusei Kikuchi had sorted things out earlier in the season. I know we're, a lot of us were excited that, hey, maybe the pitch clock's helping him. It's kind of speeding up his pace. He's thinking less and just relying on his stuff. But the reality of baseball is that it's a game of adjustments. So in April, the pitcher made an adjustment and he was doing well. Now it seems in May, the hitters have made an adjustment. They're laying off more on Kikuchi's stuff. Uh, he only walked two, like you said, in that game, but the walks are climbing up as time goes along. So hopefully for the Jays, they, they can, um, I don't know, get Kikuchi back on track because as we're going to talk about <laughs> with our next point here, uh, game four, there, there, there really isn't anybody else at this point they could call up and be a sixth starter to kind of take these guys out of the rotation that aren't doing well for a week or two. That's there's, there's just no depth here right now. Yeah, actually, I kind of want to roll through three up, three down because I got some bigger yeah. questions I want to float your way. So let's get right into that Manoa start. Um, yeah. It's rinse repeat with this guy. He has no control. We saw in this game, I, they, him and Kurt could not keep runners on base or in a spot. And it felt like they were almost just blatantly ignoring the runners that were there. Like it felt like every time a Ray got to first base, they swiped second. I would have got a Rosarena, Stoll, Rayleigh, Walls, Franco. Like it's ridiculous, man. Oh, those guys each stole twice as well. So yeah, it, that was just bad. And that was, I didn't think I'd be saying this. I was in fact, hoping I'd be saying the exact opposite. That might've been the worst Alec Manoa look. I think there was twice early in that start. He had guys O2 and walked them. It's ugly, man. And Keegan Matheson shared some numbers here uh, right after Manoa was pulled in. Here's the tweet. 
Here's where Alec Manoa ranks among the 72 qualified MLB starters. 5.53 ERA, fifth worst. 1.79 whip, worst. 6.37 balls per nine or walks per nine inning, worst. 19.08 pitches per inning, worst. I mean, I don't know what you do and you touched on it. There's no one in the minors. You can't bring up Drew Hutchinson and be like, well, this is better than throwing out Alec Manoa right now. And that's a damn shame because I think Alec Manoa is a guy who needs 10 days off to clear his head. Yeah. He's still a damn good pitcher. The stuff is there, but he's totally lost his control. I think mentally he's just, he's mind blown in the worst possible way. I think I bet you, if you were to ask him why it's not going well, he wouldn't even be able to give you an honest answer. Cause when an athlete falls apart like this and goes from what we saw last year, borderline Cy Young guy to what we're looking at right now, borderline major leaguer. It's insane, man. And I wish they had better depth to give this guy 10 days to just clear his head. Like I said, yeah, the last time I can remember uh, a thing like this going on with a pitcher would be all the way back in the early 2010s with Ricky Romero. He was, of course, a, a top draft pick of the Jays. He was number six overall or something like that in the Troy Tulowitzki draft and then comes up. He's really good. Looks like, you know, named opening day starter. And then it's just you know, a complete meltdown from there never really catches his groove again. And the situations are different because the the challenge that Romero dealt with, uh, as we wound up learning later, is he had all these nagging injuries, knee injuries that affected the way that he threw the ball towards home plate with Manoa. The, the weird thing is, is it's it's nothing like that. It's not, oh, you know, he grinded through some arm injury last year, some weird leg injury that's affecting his delivery. No, it's just the, the pitch. It seems the pitch clock has come in and he hasn't really been able to change or adapt to the tempo. And I think instances where you see that are times where, you know, he's got two outs in an inning. There's a guy there with two strikes and he just can't take the second or like the, the extra time to really compose himself and strike the guy out. You know, he was never really a big strikeout pitcher. He relied a lot on, you know, getting the ball soft contact, kind of like the Mark Burley, R.A. Dickey style thing that we saw years ago. But this year now, there's less time and he can't rear back and strike a guy out. The one positive thing about the Tampa start, I guess, is that there was a handful of strikeouts, but he only cleared through three innings. And those were three gritty, tough, long innings where, I mean, I I don't know, like it felt like it honestly felt like pre-pitch clock era stuff, like the game was moving along so slowly. And I do believe he'll rebound eventually. It's just it's it's hard to say if it'll come this year. And it's it feels very unlikely that just chucking him out there every fifth day to face major league hitting in this context, something's going to change. It it feels very unlikely. It does feel like a situation where he's going to have to go down to the minor leagues, go to the Dunedin pitching lab and sort something different out. It's not just going to, you know, come overnight. So, and that's the frustrating thing. Like we've both been saying, who are you calling up from AAA? Mitch White was supposed to be their sixth guy and he has a, you know, he has a setback in his rehab, so he's not going to be available for a few more weeks. Their top pitching prospect, Ricky Tiedemann, a bunch of us talked, oh, maybe this is the guy they'll call up a couple months into the year if they need somebody because he was doing so well last year. Now he's injured. He's not available. And all the guys they have in AAA are pretty bad. Like, what are you going to do? Trent Thornton? Zach Thompson? He's got like a nine ERA with the Bisons. It's it's the same problem over and over and over again. Uh, the depth just isn't there. There isn't high quality depth and the Jays have to rely on the guys they have. And if the guys they have are struggling, then last year, Jose Barrios, every single time just went out 
again and again and again. You say Kikuchi. Yeah. It was until mid-August that they finally put him into the bullpen. Who knows what they're going to do? I, 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 we all know that Manoa should take a minute to go and try and sort himself out. But when's that opportunity going to happen? Yeah, if if you want some silver lining, and this will hardly be silver lining, because <laughs> the next two starts are coming against the Brewers and Astros. Um, and you might sit there and be like, hey, that's too deep. <laughs> I mean, that looked good on paper. They are both bottom third in the majors in Team OPS, so they haven't been swinging the bats all that well to start the season, but that's also an Astros team that didn't have Jose Altuve for most of that, so I don't know how much stock I would put into that stat. I'm trying my best <laughs> positive here because it's hard to with Alec Manoa, and you feel for the guy, man. You I, do. Three innings, and he has to throw 87 pitches to get through them. And sure, yeah, it's great that he struck out six of the nine batters he did get out, but everything else that happened there, and I think most of those strikeouts were like three, two counts where he was grinding to get that strikeout as well. He's tight been, ones too, yeah. like calls that could have gone the other way. Mm-hmm. Ah, man, uh, you had another note in here. Just again, this Rays team came and honestly made light work of the Blue Jays. Every win was by more than one run, and they're not even healthy right now. No. So Varsho on Twitter pointed this out and I, I actually didn't really, I didn't notice how, how down bad Tampa was with injuries coming into the game because they'd been doing so well. I knew that a few of the starters were out of the mix, but so they're missing right now. Tyler Glasnow, Drew Rasmussen, Shane Boz, who you could argue would be what, like two, three, four in their pitching rotation if they were fully healthy. Jeffrey Springs, uh, Garrett Clevenger, Andrew Kitteridge, like those are a lot of high quality names they're missing. And you could kind of see it. The, the Jays would start a rally in the eighth or ninth inning because Tampa didn't have their best starting slash bullpen depth available. And those were the times where the Jays were shining through and they looked pretty good. And you'd think if they had their A game in this series, then it would have been a prime chance to do well against Tampa because they don't have their best right now. But then when you flip this the other way, the other way, Look at Tampa's injuries. Imagine if the Jays had something similar going on. And bear in mind, I understand that the, 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 the Rays and Blue Jays are different teams. They have different team-building philosophies. The Rays deal with more injuries because they have guys doing max effort pitching all the time. You know, the Jays' philosophy seems to be rubber arms that don't get hurt whether or not they're good. Who knows? But um, if the Jays had this many injuries to their pitching staff, what the fuck? Like, who, like, what would happen if, um, like, three guys from the starting rotation went down? What would it look like? Who would be up? Who would be pitching? It's, it's insane to see Tampa just navigate through these issues with no problem. Every week, someone on the Rays is going on the 60-day injured list with, you know, some arm issue. And they never have a problem. And then, meanwhile, the Jays, okay, you know, Alec Manoa is having a rough season. Let's give him two weeks off. No, sorry you can't because your best pitcher in AAA is Trent Thornton. Like, what? What do you expect? Like, <laughs> you can't get through an entire season with eight pitchers in total. Yeah. Sucks. All right. Let's, uh, let's try our best for a moment here to put the negatives aside. Let's pull a few positives from this one in the three-up part of this podcast. Uh, I'll go with this one off the jump, just an easy one, an absolute layup. Trevor Richards' bullpen ace, he was really good in that last game. 
Yeah, you. I was going to jump in with um, when you said Alec Manoa grinds through the three um, his three innings. It takes him like almost 90 pitches. Uh, Trevor Richards was able to plow through his three scoreless frames on like 33 pitches. So he completely yeah. saved the bullpen on Thursday because you have the Kikuchi and Manoa back to back short starts. The bullpen could have been absolutely like zonked after that. But huge rip for Trevor Richards there. I, I don't know if he really fits being used in high leverage situations at the back of the bullpen. But I think the Jays have kind of found a nice role for him where he piggybacks off of, and this is going to be important given the fact that they might have two pumpkins in the rotation right now, a guy that can come in and do like two, three innings when you badly need it. I think he's kind of found his way into that Ross stripling role where he was earlier last season before he, he, he moved permanently into the starting rotation. So that's a plus because they pretty much just didn't have that while Mitch white was injured. So a positive thing for the Jays pitching staff. Yeah. Uh, another positive here. Kikuchi and Manoa will not start against the Minnesota twin. <laughs> um, okay. I'm just being an asshole there. Uh, let's talk about the 20 to one win a moment where I was like, damn, this is going to turn around the season for the Toronto blue Jays. Uh, it clearly did not. Um, but Jose Barrios was awesome in that game. Go seven, only allows the one earned. In the last podcast, we talked about how if you take out his two bad starts, his numbers are really damn good. Like, you add in this start now, Coomzy, and it's like, we're getting back to like vintage Barrios numbers. Yeah, this is the best um, he's pitched for the Jays since down the stretch in 2021 when he was acquired from Minnesota. Now you take away the difficult starts against Kansas City and Anaheim to start the year. And it's eight starts with a 2.88 ERA. And one of those starts mixed in there is that cold weather Boston start where he allowed five or six runs over five innings. So, I mean, Jose Barrios has been significantly more good than bad this year. And that's huge because as we've talked about extensively, it seems like the Jays have two like black hole spots in their rotation. So they, they badly need Jose Barrios to be good this year. And he's been more good than bad. Like I said, we, we really need this to continue. They need two, 2021 Barrios and not 2022 Barrios. It has been more 2021 thus far. And I cannot stress this enough. They badly need that to continue because if Barrios is a hole in the rotation as well, I, I, I don't know how you fix three spots. It's a lot easier to deal with two than it is with three. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. absolutely murders a baseball off a position player after striking out against a position player. Um, it gave us the viral moment of Vladdy again, just demolishing that baseball. <laughs> it's one of the funniest highlights, man. It looks like he's playing slow pitch. Um, anyways, the him signing the ball though for Rayleigh after the game, I Rayleigh obviously asked for that. Um, that was a nice moment too, though. Uh, the 20 to one game full of laughs, yeah, that was funny. I mean, um, I think I'll, 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 uh, I was originally going to talk about this just being a hilarious thing. Like it was cathartic for Blue Jays fans to watch after so many years of nonsense and crap at the trop for the Jays just to go and beat the wheels off of Tampa. Like I, I think the most runs they had ever scored there was like 10 or 11 and they pop off for 20. So that's great to see. I made a, a, a joke right before we did the podcast and we were talking about our notes that the Blue Jays found out in the series that Tampa's position players are bad pitchers. We've, so that's a positive. Uh, yeah. So that's a positive there, but I'll, I'll say like, I have, um, I have quite a bit of respect for the Rays for the way they were just kind of fine with everything. Like I thought when Vladdy hit that home run, I, I thought for a minute, I was like, oh, geez, like as much as I love this as a Jays fan, as funny as this is to watch, 
Tampa's not going to like this. Like someone's going to get bean next game. Something's going to happen. But I mean, they took it in stride and handled it like champs. They handled it like, you know, the best team in Major League Baseball probably should. They were just like, ah, wasn't our day. That's fine. And they weren't mad about the Jays running up the score or whatever. If you leave position players in and you want to do that at the end of the game, then I think I think everyone is in their right to pad their stats there, especially when you're in a position like the Jays are where nothing's going well. The only thing I would say is, you know, if you're homering off of a position player, don't be celebrating a whole bunch. And the Jays weren't, which is fine. So, you know, all things all things said, a 20 to 1 victory. Uh, positives from both sides, I guess. I guess. Yeah, um, you're right. Like there is when when I was watching it, there was a bit of me that was like, oh boy. Like, but then again, you have to put yourself in the mindset of the players of like, no players going up for their major league at bat, no matter who they're facing, and being like, ah, I'll show a little mercy on the other team no. here and just slap this one to shortstop and not run it out. Like, and I think that's kind of where the Rays being good sports. Yeah, it was great, but that's where that comes from, right? Like, I think every player at this point in their careers, by the time you're at in the majors you've been through enough of both sides of those to kind of know how to act. And I also think it's a lot easier for the Rays to sit there and get shit stomped 20 to one when their record on the year at that point is like 33 and 15. You're okay with it's much easier to be like, not our night when you're, you know, sitting with a great record and almost 20 games over 500 in the end of May. And they also saw who was coming up pitching the next two days and they were like, all right, yeah, we're fine. This is basically like sending position players out. (laughs) Every player in the Blue Jays starting lineup had multiple hits in that ball game. Um, A bunch of them had three plus hits as well. So a nice little pad statting day uh, or stat padding day. I said pad statting. Pad statting day. (laughs) Stat padding day for the Toronto Blue Jays as they uh, beat. Take the those, uh, take those stats into arbitration, man. They all matter the same. Doesn't matter if you hit that grand slam off of a position player or off of an ace. <laughs> so we'll, if we're sitting here a month from now and Vladdy still hasn't got the long ball going, we will remember that like one of his only home runs this year is against a position player. We <laughs> yeah, will. He goes through the entire season only hitting like ten home runs, and we're like, hey, ten percent of Vladdy's home runs came off of Brooks Raley. <laughs> uh, the Jays outscore the Tampa Bay Rays in this series. <laughs> That's hilarious. Who's three of four? Great. Can't play that very often. Huge, uh, huge for the Pythagorean win loss record. That's yeah. what we all love to see. Yeah. Uh, so right now the Jays sitting. Uh, oh boy, they've been leapfrogged by the Mariners and the Angels. Uh, the Angels on a four-game winning streak, and the Jays sit three games back of the final wildcard spot in the American Great. League. Things are not going well. I wanted to, before we take our break here, I wanted to float like uh, a bit of a bigger picture question to you because I saw some people on Twitter doing a little bit of a revisionist history kind of thing with uh, with the Dalton Varsho deal. In mm. the moment... I think there were people who were upset about losing Guriel, fan favorite, people who were like, whoa, you traded your top prospect in this deal for Dalton Varsho. But I don't remember a lot of people being like mad about the trade. And now I'm seeing people who are mad about the trade. And it kind of came from him getting pinch hit for in the series finale for Ernie Clement, who I'll be honest, didn't know a whole heck of a lot about that guy before he was recalled uh, by the team. But Varsho getting pinch hit for that guy brought up the conversation of like, did the Jays maybe not handle this offseason that well? Did the Jays maybe overreact to what we saw against the Seattle Mariners? 
And I, I wonder if maybe there's not a little bit of truth to that. Did the Blue Jays, to steal a quote I taught you, Coomzy, did they throw the baby out with the bathwater a little bit? <laughs> you know, they move Hernandez, they move Guriel. I know those guys were going to get expensive and you had to make choices eventually, but was there maybe something to be said of that Blue Jays team last year was the devil you knew? They were a team that could rip the freaking cover off the baseball, had their flaws defensively, but more often than not, they would outscore their problems. And did the Jays, in an effort to try to fix that problem, take away too much from their strengths? I mean, it's a valid question to ask. And I guess putting on our hindsight goggles, it hurts right now, especially because of how well, and I mean, no one's sitting here really bringing up the Tay Oscar deal because every time you see him come up, Mariners fans are like, when's this guy going to heat up? When's he going to stop striking out? And Jay's fans are like, you know, he's a second half guy. Don't worry. It'll be fine. And on the other side of that, with the Arizona trade, you see Lourdes Gurriel having his, what he usually does in August or September. Instead in April, May, he's got like a 900 OPS. And then Gabby Moreno, of course, you know, he was, for a minute there, one of the top prospects in, 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 in all of baseball. So, I mean, it is what it is. Like he's, he's doing quite well. He looks like a very good defensive catcher. And it's just kind of funny that all of these issues right now are shining through right as those two players are, are so hot and so good. And the Jays could badly use Gurriel in the number five or six spot to drive in some runs. They could badly use KB uh, Moreno behind the plate, gunning out runners, especially now when um, Danny Jansen might be injured. You know, he ran to first base, got taken out of the game. They're doing MRIs. Alejandro Kirk does not look the same where, you know, a few minutes, uh, a few days, maybe away from Tyler Heineman getting starts, which nobody wants to see that, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, last year we talked could the Jays maybe continue just having this three player catching tandem and, you know, catchers get injured. This is a thing that happens. So instead of Jansen gets hurt and it's Kirk and Heineman going back and forth, it's Kirk and Moreno. But I mean, you know, the trade's done. It's over with. It is what it is. I don't think at the time the trade looked like a clear win, like say the Matt Chapman trade. It was so obvious that the, the Jays had fleeced the Oakland A's with the Varsho one. It was this could go either way. Maybe both teams win this. Maybe both teams get what they want. But unfortunately for uh, so far for Arizona, it's looking a lot better. I don't, I don't think this is exactly the player that Varsho is going to be, but I just don't know if he's going to develop into what some of us thought he was going to when they acquired him in the off season. We thought he was going to become, you know, the defense was already there, but was the bat going to come through and become more than just, you know, the, the bat that barrels into a home run every once in a while, is he going to become more of a complete hitter? It's going to take some time. Like when the, the Jays didn't acquire Bar show as a rental, he's not a one and done. It's not just this year and it's over. He's a youngish guy who they can develop. But, you know, I think when you look at this trade, it all kind of circles back to the fact they just haven't really been able to draft and develop their own talent. The Jays weren't able to find guys who were really good defensively, who could, you know, work a walk or get on base. They weren't able to draft and develop those kind of guys. So they had to pay a big price to go out and get one because that was their obvious need during the off season. And I think they were in kind of a difficult spot after that loss to Seattle. Everyone knew that Ross Atkins was pretty desperate to shake up the team and other general managers are cognizant of that. And not everyone is the Oakland A's. Not everyone's just 
getting rid of all of their good players for the fuck of it. Teams like Arizona, teams like Seattle, they're competitive too. And if there's a GM desperate out there to make a significant change, then it's not an easy position to bargain from. And I think that's what it all circles back to. The Jays haven't been good at developing their own talent outside of Bo Vladdy. And even now, Alec Manoa, it's hard to say that name in there. They're just, it hasn't happened. I like your point about, you know, Varsho's not a rental, right? It's not like they went out and gave up a bunch of prospects for a guy who was supposed to be a ready-made superstar. He's only 26. He turns 27 in July, I think. Um, you got to be patient with this guy because he's the bet you've made. But I like him getting pinch hit for for a guy Bad who look. spent majority of his time in or who has spent all, all this time in the minors is just... Yeah, man, it, it's not a great scene right now for this Toronto Blue Jays team. Uh, down to 26 and 25 on the year. Staring down a couple of division leaders still, I believe, in their next couple of series. Yeah, with the Brewers, who are leading the NL Central, and the Twins coming up this weekend, who are leading the AL Central. So, oh boy, not good, Coomzy. Not good. No, not good. Unfortunately, as I said last time, and I'm going to keep saying this over and over and over again, whether or not I actually believe it. Well, I do believe it. The, the Major League Baseball season is a marathon. Um, I mean, I don't know. This time last year, after 51 games, they were ironically just kicking off a series against the Minnesota Twins that put them at 30 and 21 for the season. Bear in mind, the, the season started a little bit later last year because of the strike. It was like a week later. So, uh, I don't know. They, the Jays went through their really difficult lull last year. Midsummer it was that horrible sweep in Seattle, the Western road trip. Mm-hmm. They had a bad time in Oakland, too. It resulted in Charlie Montoyo getting fired. John Schneider took over and everything was pretty much good after that. Um, personally, I'd be stunned if they changed the manager again midseason, especially considering that Schneider got a three-year deal. But I don't know, man. Don Mattingly's sitting there. Uh, I don't know if that makes anything better, but... It seems they've built in a replacement if things go completely sideways and things are sitting sideways right now. So it's weird, man, because like Mattingly sitting there, you're right, totally changes this. But I would argue if the change is Schneider out just to bring in a guy who's already on the bench, how big of a change is that? And are you not just bailing out this group again? Right. Like yeah. You just go. Yeah. John's out. Boom. Mattingly's the new guy. And we're elevating whoever from the minors to come be his bench coach. I just look at that and go, you're telling this core group who's not performing, it's not their fault. That's what that says to me. I don't think you can send that message again. I think you need to ride out this year with John Schneider. You mentioned it. You're one of a three-year extension. Why would you can a guy there and have two years of paying a dude to just sit at home? I, and again, I know it's not a sport where you need to care about the payroll. We shouldn't care about how much Roger spends on this team. They have a bajillion dollars. <laughs> but I just think like logically here it i don't think it makes sense to fire john schneider this year i think again he's also very early in his managerial career you have to give him some time to grow with this team a little bit you do yeah this is the bet they made and they they spoke highly about schneider for years it was you know he was almost viewed as one of their top prospects as a manager coach yeah. 
while the core was coming up. Like he was the manager of the double A team when they won that championship. And it's you, if you want to make a hockey comparison, it's pretty much what, what, what the Leafs were talking about forever with Sheldon Keefe down there winning the, um, the AHL trophy with the Toronto Marlies. And he basically was like a prospect for them. And they talked for, for forever about Schneider. Like, Oh yeah, he's the manager of the future. He's the guy like he, he, he gets the young guys, but he takes it seriously. And he's like, rah, rah, rah style. And, you know, he's been up for a year. The first year went great until the playoffs came around. And then it looked like, hey, maybe this, you know, he's a rookie manager. Maybe he's in over his head a little bit. But time goes along. You can't just fire a manager every single season and hope to get that post-manager firing boost. Like, why would the team get a boost from Schneider getting fired and Mattingly taking over when Mattingly's already there? He's already involved in the mistakes that were considering to be so egregious. He was standing right next to John Schneider when he came out in that Yankees series with Alec Manoa. Like, you know, <laughs> what's what are things going to change? At least when they fired Charlie and switched to Schneider, it was an ideological, a philosophical shift within the team. It was different. Yeah. With this, it would be the exact same. And I, and like you said, they're just they're just letting the group off the hook again, blaming it on the scapegoat. That is how things work in sports. But I fail to see how that would be, you know, a game changer at the end of the year. If they miss out. Yeah, you 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 probably have those built in replacements there. Maybe Mattingly takes over. Atkins probably gets let go. They have James Click right there you know, GM the Houston Astros. So the replacements are right there. But if they come in mid season, it would be shocking. All right, Coombsy, let's uh, take a look ahead here at what's coming up next. But first, we'll step aside for a quick break here. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
All right, three games against the Minnesota Twins on tap. Before we preview that series, let's bring in our producer, Brandon Douglas, with a look around the American League East with the AL East report. Brando, what did all the other teams in the division get up to over the last three, four days here? Well, guys, the uh, the past week has been much more favorable to the Jays, but unfortunately, they didn't really take advantage of that situation because the Red Sox, who they've been chasing down, they lost all three against the Angels. And we mentioned it last show that they, uh, the Red Sox did not have to go up against Otani on the mound. And the way this series played out, they didn't really have to go up against him in the batter's box either. He was really quiet this series. He came alive a little bit in game three, um, but Mike Trout, on the other hand, did some damage, a couple home runs for or for RBIs over the course of the series. So the Red Sox, uh, despite losing that, still remain that half a game ahead of the Blue Jays. Um, and the Blue Jays started this uh, or end this week, the same place they started it in fifth place in the ALE. So uh, a bit of a squandered opportunity there. Next up for the Red Sox, they've got three games um, out in Arizona against the D-backs who you guys were just talking about um, some of the guys that uh, the Blue Jays moved out there having some great seasons. The D-backs can hit the ball really well. So the Red Sox certainly are in tough uh, in that next three-game set they have over the weekend. Uh, and then, uh, just like the Jays playing against the Rays in an AL East matchup, the Orioles and the Yankees just finished a three-game set as well. Uh, Orioles taking two of the three, and man, after those three wins they rattled off against the Blue Jays, they are really cooking seven and two in their last nine. Uh, in the one game, Gibson goes seven scoreless innings, uh, two hits, four walks, and three Ks in that time. The Orioles are... are they're going up against first place Texas here. They're going to start a six game homestand to end, uh, end the month of May, three games against the Rangers to start that off. But the Orioles are certainly looking at like a team that can do some real damage right now, both uh, on the mound, in the field, uh, and with their bats, especially, uh, including well known Blue Jays killer, uh, Mount Castle, getting, uh, I think it was one more home run in this series, too. On the flip side of that, the Yankees, uh, they're going to finish uh, or go into three games, pardon me, with the Padres, who. We talked about this uh, earlier this week. They seem like a team that should be really good, but they have been struggling tremendously as of late. Um, Germain, Domingo Germain, will be back in the Yankees lineup and in the rotation on Sunday. But in the meantime, one thing of note, so they did demote uh, Yoni Brito. Randy Vasquez, who mostly considered to be the Yankees' top pitching prospect at the moment, he will make a start this afternoon here on Friday against the Padres. His stat line doesn't seem super impressive from Triple A's one and five, four point eight five ERA. But the kind of book on this guy, he's got a tremendous curveball and he does have 50 strikeouts through only 42 and two thirds inning pitch down in Triple A. So he can do some damage. And anytime you see a team getting their top prospect uh, up in the majors, even if it's probably only for a spot start here on a Friday before um, Germain joins the, the rotation full time uh, on Sunday. Things are uh, things are not looking like they're going to get any easier for the Blue Jays in terms of their competition around the league. Uh, but it was, if you consider the Yankees maybe taking this series against the Padres, the Orioles and the Red Sox look like they will probably have a tougher time. And the, and the Rays, they're going to head out to L.A. for a World Series rematch from a couple of years ago against the Dodgers. All right. So maybe some other teams in, uh, in a tough spot here heading into the weekend. Hopefully it can be a positive series. Thanks, Brandon. You bet. Thanks, guys. All right. Coomzy, let's, let's be positive here. All right. Three games against the Twins. The Twins, yes, they're leading their division, but they're only 26 division. on the year. Okay, that like leading the AL Central deserves a bit of an asterisk. Also, the Jays are going with their three big guns on the mound in this series. Their three best pitchers, Gosman, Bassett, and Barrios, are all going to go in that order. Maybe a reason to be positive. 
It should be. I mean, we've we've spoken at length, specifically me. I love talking about this. The American League Central is ass. Like it's 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 egregious for Major League Baseball that a team from this division will automatically get to go into the playoffs. Minnesota leads the division 26 and 24 in second place is the Detroit Tigers, 23 and 25. Cleveland's 21 and 28. That's who won the division last year. The White Sox, we already saw them. They're 21 and 31 in Kansas City's 15 and 36. I'm looking at Minnesota's record and who they played and who they've beaten. And, and the reason they're over 500 is largely their six and one record against Kansas City. But they've also got a winning record against some pretty good teams. They're four and three against the Yankees. They're uh, two and one against Houston. Houston hasn't really like found their groove just yet. But, you know, and then also <laughs> on the flip side of that, Minnesota's also had a, a bad time with some pretty bad teams. One and two against the Marlins, one and two against the Nationals, one and two against within the division, Cleveland, a team that's supposed to be bad. So I don't really know what to expect from the Twins. I was I, I was critical of them a few podcasts ago. I was like, oh, yeah, this team's just by default leading their division because they're the least shitty of five shitty teams. But I also looked at their pitching staff and, you know, everyone's got a good ERA pretty much. Joe Ryan's at 2.21, Pablo Lopez, 390. That's the worst one. Sonny Gray, 1.82, Bailey Ober, 2.55. Like it's a good pitching rotation. I don't know how well the team hits, but this looks like it might be uh, low scoring because the Jays bats are not firing on all cylinders right now and the twins can pitch. But like you said, it's, it's Toronto's big three. So the first game, Kevin Gosman versus Louis Varland and then Chris Bassett, Pablo Lopez and Jose Barrios going up against his former club uh, pitching for Minnesota. And that game will be Bailey Ober. So supposedly an easy ish series, but I don't know. Nothing seems easy right now. Yeah. Like Bailey, I'm just looking at the recent starts for both Ober and Lopez. Uh, Ober has basically in his last three had two good ones and a bad one. You look at Lopez, last three, two good ones and a bad one. So um, these are guys who, you know, are still pitching fine as of late. Let's hope the Jays can uh, give us something good to talk about after this weekend here. Because, I mean, like Brandon laid out in the AL East report, some tough sledding for maybe some other teams in this division over the weekend and maybe a good chance for Toronto to get things back on track uh, 10 and a half back of the division that ain't happening three back of the wild card they got to get hot right away to keep themselves in that race i mean like the jays are only a game and a half up on the freaking detroit tigers are you kidding me um, so it, it's crunch time here very early in the season i did not think i would be using the term crunch time to describe a series at the end of may for this blue jays team but uh that's where we're at, Coomzy. You enjoy this weekend set against the Minnesota Twins, and we'll chat again after the weekend. I will try my best. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.